0: If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so Inquire for me in Bagot Street and what I was like to know He was a queer one full of little Oh, He was a queer one and I'll tell you
1: Hello and welcome to If Ever You Go, A Northside Dublin Perspective My name is Pat Lynch and I hope you will join me as we journey through the Dublin One City One Book selection for 2014 entitled If Ever You Go A Map of Dublin in Poetry and Song In this programme we continue our literary journey of Northside Dublin this time focusing on the area of Dublin Tree including Dublin Bay Jones Road East Wall The poems featured in this programme are Crow Park by Theo Dorgan 1941 North Strand by Alan Dewitt Moore East Road, East Wall by MacDara Woods. Now we begin with Aileen Douglas from Trinity College, Dublin, reading from and discussing Dublin Bay by deceased poet Edna Strong.
2: A good time to come is January. There is a geranium sky behind Longford Terrace, a black pine gone mad between chimneys from where you stand by the abandoned soap factory. Turn right, the town is walled in mist. No 20th century, but hard, sure, the winter rip of Vikings, tearing dire by hoth, fogged also, yet solid, fast, you are back where Brian seemed holier, praying in Clontarf. There are no bulls either, nor the strewn excesses of a modern summer at sea point, only the cormorants, happy, and the ceaseless pagan sea. You climb, as do two or three others, each alone, trudging towards that queer geranium zone January there is a good time
1: Thank you Aileen, that was Aileen Douglas reading Dublin Bay by Edna Strong uh, Aileen, a lovely poem and I think anybody from the area who who knows their beloved Dublin Bay mm. there seems to be so much in the poem it, it seems to capture a lot of the essence of it, doesn't it?
2: It does, yeah. I mean, you really get a sense of the expanse of the bay because, you know, you're looking uh behind Longford Terrace which is on the south side and you have the uh references to Seapoint and people enjoying the summer but then you know it's such a short poem but it also includes these references to you know one of the most important events historically you know the battle of Clontarf and Brian and uh, and and so on so you you just get that sense which anyone who has stood in the bay gets of an expanse of yeah. land and water. Yeah.
1: And the whole past with present mixed yeah, in together. Yeah, mixed as well. in
2: together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And of course, this was written <coughs> by um, one of the poets in the series who, who were celebrating a deceased poet, Etna Strong. What do we know about Etna Strong and her connections with the area?
2: Yeah, well, she's a very interesting poet. Um, I mean, she came from Limerick originally, but she settled in Dublin as a young woman and she lived uh, in Monkstown on the south side. Um, And, you know, she reared her family. Uh, She had nine children. Um, She came to she was one of the really interesting things about her is that she's a bilingual poet and writer. So she writes poetry in both Irish and English, and she also wrote some fiction as well um she became you know she published rather late uh, in her life relatively late i mean she's in her forties really uh but she you know was quite a prolific poet um and very um a very independent voice a very um not unorthodox but sort of you know quietly independent um with a great sense of Social justice and 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 so on. So, um, but also a lot of her poetry dealing with with the domestic and the position of women and, and these issues as well. Um,
1: and, and what do we know of her connection to the area? Was, was she just a uh, maybe visiting? And this poem. Might no, no, she
2: lived. She lived uh, in Monkstown. So oh, uh, okay. that's where you know. So in a way this is a poem that comes out of very you know daily experience of you know somebody who uh you know is there you, you, it's a january day uh it's uh, it's obviously evening because the sky is is red um and you go out in in, in out and you 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 see this um almost um you know, magical uh, landscape with the sea and the the land and where does one end and one begin with Mm. the mist. Uh, So, you know, it's a sort of an everyday experience that becomes a way of reflecting on change and all of the people who have lived around the edges of the bay um, and and the very different kinds of histories that they've had.
1: It it brings everybody in. It does, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. The sort of iconic figure, you know, of of Brian, who's, you know, a national hero. um, And then, you know, the very ordinary detail of an abandoned soap factory, you know, people Mm. working and living and so on.
1: Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. Uh, And how would this fit in her... Is this typical of the po- type of poem she wrote or way across the border?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's fairly typical in that, you know, that emphasis on on daily experience and on observation, yeah. um, on on the current and, and the topical as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, a,
1: and a lovely rounded field to it in that it brings us back where it started by the end. January is, is, yes, is a good time.
2: yes. And I suppose there's a sort of a paradox as well. Like few people... January it can be such a harsh (laughs) month you know and and so bleak um, and and to kind of wrestle something out of that uh, you know and obviously the summer is 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 long gone you know the people who've been enjoying themselves at sea point have have disappeared and and you just get that sense of the timelessness of the landscape as Mm. well you know the ceaseless pagan seas of how human beings come and go you know, the bay has been there all the time. Absolutely, yeah. there's that
1: lovely sense of the way it stayed and I know certainly from the, the local Plontarf area in terms of recent flooding and stuff like that mm. there's, been, there's been this whole, you know, th- th- this challenge if you like to wh- what our view of that bay could be so it is nice yeah. to, to hold on to something that's been there for so long.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: Theo Dorgan reads his poem Crow
3: Park. We stand for the anthem, buoyant and tribal, heart beating with heart, Our colours brave, our faces turned from the uncertain sun. The man beside me takes my hand. Good luck to yours, he says. I squeeze his calloused palm and then he's gone. A shadow socket where he was. The one beside him vanishes and another before me, behind me. All around Croke Park, one by one, we wink out of existence tens, hundreds, then thousands, the great arena emptying out, the wind curling in from the open world to gather us all away, each single one of us. I could feel myself fail at the end, but then maybe everyone thought that, each one of us the last to go. The whistle blew, and we all came back with a roar, everything brighter and louder, desperate and vivid. I held his hand a moment longer. I wished his team all the luck in the world.
1: Theo, what a lovely poem of excitement, celebration, camaraderie. Um, can you remember exactly, are, is that based on one particular instance or many instances? In I, I think
3: it's many. I, 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 there was a moment when, standing in Croke, where I, I realised I'd never got to visit Croke Park with my dad. Mm. You know? Yeah. And... And of course then I started looking around and seventy, eighty thousand people in there, and you realise that the stands are double filled with all the men and women who'd come there over the years and were gone now, and realising we'd all be gone as well. Yeah. You know, at that moment where you realise that it's the drama, I think, at the occasion. Yes. I mean the Greeks had, you know, their theatres at epidaurus and Dylus, we have Croke Park and Thoman Park and Down the Park as we call it in Cork. And these are the arenas where people come to... And there's a charge of excitement in these places, you know. And it's, In Croke Park, the whole country comes together. Yes, yeah. You know, this is the real Doyle Airdon, as far as I'm concerned. You Absolutely. Know. And to realise that we'll all go. Yeah. We'll all be gone. And you think of all the... I think of all the great hurlers I saw there, you know. Rackard, Ring, all going back that far, even. Although I never saw ring in Croke Park. I was too young for that. But they're gone as well, you know. And these heroes today will be gone tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Shevlin will be gone and Sean Oak will be gone. It's a very poignant moment, you mm. know, but also underneath it all, there's this thing that happens there. Everybody is tribal. Everybody is up for their own. But you'll turn to the fella next to you and you say, "Good luck." Wish him the best. Yeah. No, for the next, for the duration of the match, you want them all dead. You want every man in his jersey lying <laughs> flat on the ground. The instant the final whistle blows, it's all the yeah. match. Yeah, not And that's one of the. It's one of the most extraordinary things about this country and part of our tragedy is nothing in our politics captures that same sense of camaraderie and togetherness nothing yeah. in our politics y-
1: uh, there's a disconnect yeah and it's almost you almost think it's the way mass should be as well isn't it that whole because <laughs> it, there's, cause there's there is a sense of ceremony about this isn't there
3: there is and it's ceremony but it's also people giving it it's it's absolute belief they give everything over to the team mm-hmm. down there playing for them and every one of them is a hero. Just have got there, you're a hero. Mm. And we have no trouble giving it over to them. Mm. I mean there where I grew up in Cork, every Cork young fellow and increasingly now, with the, the great success of the Komogi and the women's football teams, every young woman dreams of saying you know, it's more than kush, his ah, a glock er son for the corky, you know. <laughs> and if I'd been given the choice when I was a kid of poetry or hurling would have been a very difficult call. <laughs> you know?
1: But there, there's a lovely moment in this. It's almost like uh, the, the way it's set up at the start and then it comes back. But it, it's that thing that happens in between. It's this realisation. It's, it's clocking out for a second or something and realising something else, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that poetry gives to the body. politic. it's, why, it's one of the reasons why we've had poetry for 40,000 years and more is poets maybe are just people who catch that fleeting moment mm. between one Moment, and the next, there's a silence, yeah. and maybe poetry speaks out of that silence. Yes, yeah. And it's it's like a really good song. The instant you hear it, you know something that you already knew but didn't know you knew it.
1: Yeah, yeah, Do absolutely. Yeah, it tells you the truth, doesn't it? Yeah, straight yeah. away. Yeah. And and I wonder, like to to get a poem that says so much in only a few lines, you're like, does that take a lot of work to get that poem like that?
3: Well, that particular one almost rolled itself out. Right. No, others you might have a phrase or a line or even sometimes just a sort of a rhythm beating in your head and you start paying attention to it when you come out. But it's, this, I think it comes from the same instinct. You know, sometimes that there is such a thing as inspired pub talk. There's yes. an awful lot of yeah. shite yeah. talked in pubs. <laughs> but every now and then someone comes up with something so clear and exact and true that everybody stops. Yes. And you look at them and you go, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and we all have that capacity. I mean, I suppose poetry is the gift, and it is a gift that nobody knows where it comes from. Mm. If we knew where it came from, we'd all go and live there. Yeah. But it comes out of the act. It actually comes out of the world we live in. But just stopping with a head full of language, and hearing something in the silence, yeah. and then giving it back out. You know, yeah. Yeah. that that one came almost except right at the very end, just before. Um, Pat went to press with If Ever You Go. Pat Bourne and Jerry Smith edited this. Um, I was looking at it and I suddenly realised that in the second line I had, as we turned towards the flag, you know, and we had staring into the sun. You can't, in Cork, I suddenly realised at the very last (laughs) instant, you can't look at the flag and look into the sun unless it's, you know, the matches at dawn. Because the sun is at the other end of the thing, so, so I had technically to tra- it's incorrect. Your no, name. so no, I, I've got, i fixed it just at the last second. But I'd had the poem. The poem been there for five or six years, and it was just at the last minute yeah. I suddenly realised there was a, a problem there. But it it's. You know, almost every year at the All Ireland final, somebody dies. Mm. The excitement gets too much for them, you know. And it could have been something as simple as just hearing that at, a, at or after a particular match, that I suddenly realise everybody here is going to die. Yeah. You know? And when I see people fluffing around and faffing around with nonsense and not thinking, you know, I get up every day and tell myself, you know, you're going to die. Not not being morbid, but no, no, but get out and enjoy every single yeah. moment that you're alive. Yeah.
1: We asked the general public about writing their own poetry. I do write my own poetry.
0: No, but I would love to. And it's something I'm going to do is a creative writing course. Now, I just love to, to do it sometimes. Well, I'm one of my own poems. It's about uh, Bob the Model. In the Dublin Short of the Year competition, it was a tie for first place. But one of the models, Bob, got coloured for cheating. In doing so, he got drunk and disorderly, and the police came along and took him away in cuffs. The following morning, Bob apologised to all. There was no charges pressed. Everything was ironed out. Today, Bob is modelling shoes. He keeps one step ahead of the other and digs his heels in where necessary. Many say Bob is a good old soul. Today, Bob does not desire the cheat. When he goes out for a social drink, he's very careful. That history has told him he would get a stretch.
1: Alan Jewett Moore. Reads from and discusses his poem, 1941, North Strand.
4: Bulls running wild down the wall, children juggling hot metal and bricks. Shades of Guernica, said Mr. Nolan, bet that blue shirt Duffy's changed his mind about them now. Burning black and red again, flowers of smoke and rows of jagged houses. Didn't I tell you someone said they'd get your man in the pawn sooner or later?
1: Alan, one of the more sparser poems in the book. <laughs> yeah. This is very tight, and yet it feels like it's quite a big subject matter, of what it's talking about.
4: Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's obviously it's about the, the Luftwaffe bombing in, yeah. in 1941 in May. Um, and it was something that I'd been thinking about approaching for a long time when I wrote, it's from a book called Lost Republics that I wrote in Russia. I was living in russia between two thousand and 2006 and i I was trying to write poems about Dublin from the perspective of not being there mm-hmm. and this event particularly because i I like kind of family connections with, with a lot, that part of the, that part of the city it was something I wanted to write about without without doing a historical narrative yeah. without drifting into a kind of a sentimental historical narrative and i I also in my poetry I try not to be uh, not to make a kind of a judgment on events. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of a, a sketch or a scene.
1: Yeah, and it was deliberately not going, as you say, for the obvious or what might be perceived as the obvious. Yeah, I
4: think yeah. We should, poetry. We always try to steer away from yeah, the obvious. That's yes, yeah. that, that's that's like your golden rule. Yeah, stay yeah. away from the obvious. But uh, it, because it's such an obvious event, such a, an iconic event, uh, it's it's difficult to approach. So a short poem is probably. You have more chance of of success with a short poem than a sure. long poem. This
1: and quite a bit of humour in there too. It's more anecdotal, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'd say it's a little bit of black humour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, particularly where, where I was, I was living in Russia, in Moscow, which has a very strong sense of of World War Two. Um, so particularly, they call it the Great Patriotic War from forty one to forty five. That's a big thing there. Um, particularly when I was there, there there were events they were approaching the 60 the 60th anniversary of of, of the of victory in Europe so it was always on people's minds it was always in the media so I probably had more of a sense of it over there than I would have living here because mm. i've always felt that in ireland it's something because we were neutral mm. we we don't think about it as much mm. and it was probably the, it was the formative of event in mm. europe it's what designed western europe and and eastern europe as well and I think we miss out a little bit in not not considering it as much as we should, mm. so it was something that I wanted to address, and <clears throat> I suppose the humor I mean it's not a humorous event, but no no it's an odd thing to happen.
1: it is, and, and bringing in the the, the, the the dialogue, you're reminded that did kind of humanize us, you know it took away from this event and this big. Solemn thing. Whereas, by this is the way people may or may not have discussed it. Yeah, in the I, way that Dubliners do.
4: Yeah, I, I also wanted to I, again, like I said, I didn't want to sentimental, make it sentimental. And I think the dialogue was was trying to reflect a kind of a darker side of, mm-hmm. of people's politics in those days in Ireland. There was a very dark approach to yeah. to World War Two, which culminated in De era yeah. being one of the first to go and. Offers condolences on Hitler's death, yeah, and and also people standing up in the door saying they wouldn't take refugees from the Holocaust, yeah, and that they were Catholics first and Irishmen second, and this kind of dark assumption of people uh, that <clears throat> doesn't that it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a glorious period in our history by any stretch of the imagination, and I think mean, to approach that in a, in a kind of a judgmental didactic way would be wouldn't be would make for successful mm-hmm. yeah. poems. So I think maybe to to laugh at it, not, not to laugh at it, but to try and approach it in a way like yeah. some humour.
1: And, a, and a, very, a very Dublinese kind of humour <laughs> as well. The idea, uh, I knew they'd get your man in the pawn shop sooner or later, that kind of thing. Had, yeah. It sounds like you had a common kind of thing. You know? It is,
4: and it's like there, there was always this assumption, I think, in maybe not so much in Dublin, but in Ireland, that all the pawn shops were run by Jewish people, mm. whereas in mm. Dublin they weren't. They were generally run by, by <laughs> Irish Catholics. Yes. So it's this kind of misapprehension and this... Uh, you know, this kind of uh, judgment that people were making uh, mm. during the war, they weren't really playing a part in, but that was affecting millions of people all over Europe. I think, you know, as citizens of a country, as citizens of a city, we have to look at these things as well. You know, we have mm. to approach not just the humor and the good times of, and the celebrations of where we are, yeah. we also have to examine attitudes, the, the darker attitudes, yeah. in order to, to move on. Yeah.
1: Well, As I said, thanks indeed, Alan. That was Alan Dewitt Moore. Thanks for talking to us about 1941 North Strand.
0: Oh, poor old Dicey Riley, she has taken to the sup. And poor old Dicey Riley, she will never give it up. It's off each morning to the pop that she goes in for another little drop at the heart of the rowless Dicey Riley. She'll walk along Fitzgibbon Street with an independent air. And then it's down by Summerhill And as the people stare She'll say it's nearly half past one Time I went in for another little one But the heart of the row is Dicey Riley Now she'll travel far to a stockside bar To have another round And after one or two or three She doesn't feel quite sound And after four she's a bit unstable And after five, underneath the table. But the heart of the row is Dicey Riley. Ah, they carry her home at twelve o'clock, as they do every night. Bring her inside, put her on the bed, and then turn out the light. The next morning she'll get out of bed and look for a cure for her head. But the heart of the row is Dicey Riley.
1: And that was Dicey Riley, sung for a Stare by Vincent Smith. And now MacDarran Woods, who reads from and discusses his poem, East Road, East Wall.
5: There was sunlight in the yard when I broke my toe, five years of age, fifty years ago. In the hall, the Japanese umbrellas, in the parlour, the mandolin and concertina. Always sunlight in the yard and heaps of coal, light from the locomotives after dark i know the heat from the firebox glow in westerns in the roof there were pointed windows behind the house the veranda train lines leading to the docks down there where my green balloon sailed off all those missing years ago and a journey with my mother across dublin past the custom house oh don't put me in there i said don't ever put me in there three of us up on a donkey and cart moving my grandfather's piano me and my mother and the one-armed driver my mother engaged Piano mover with a heart condition. Anchored in time and light, a child in Gandon's open space, where my one-legged great-grand-uncle navigated yet another nautical academy, the first left sailing empty, abandoned in Belfast. Behind us all the afternoon, the east wall in the sun, the parish register of Laurence O'Toole's, recording the marriage of Oolahan and Dias, And where was she from, I wonder, the Iberian name at last. The further I go, the nearer I get get back to that peninsula, travelling south to Pembroke Street. Travelling now to Klonski, half a century later, across the river and city, across the Grand Canal, that's my house there in Renelagh, that's where my son lives and I. Hold on to this, I think, and that is where I was born, down there in Upper Leeson Street. On the anniversary of my father's death, I am looking towards Klonski, where my mother is slowly dying and saying her fragments of prayers from childhood. Oh, in this January month, as always, the trees are bare, I see too clear. In the pumping station I pause today. There was sunlight in the yard, the engineer says. There is always sunlight here, he says. Not true, I know, but I know what he means. For this was the place for photographs on kitchen chairs halted to daylight. My people sat here afternoons. This week they begin to knock down the house that was Billy Woods' home and Nora Woolahan's. The Japanese umbrellas, the mandolin and concertina, the columned clock on the mantel, their three suns, the heaps of coal, the puff and steam of locomotives and the shaking great pump engine's gone. Outside the bricked up parlour window, a palm tree in the earth lives on.
1: Thanks indeed, MacArthur. That was MacArthur Woods there reading from East Road, East Wall. Um, MacDara, one of the longer poems in the book, but it 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 feels very apt because it's telling, it's telling a story over a longer time, if you like, isn't it? A time frame. It it it's there's a beginning, middle, and end, if you like.
5: There yeah, is. It goes in a circle. Yes. Yeah. It goes in a circle, but it began. It begins in in the in the East Wall where indeed I did break my toe five years ago and it's given me hell, and I was turned arthritic all these years later. You know, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, my mother and myself went down from Pembroke Street where we were living then. My father. To the east wall to, to to get to get to get my my grandfather's piano, and my grandfather was very musical. You see, the mandolin, the concertina, and all the rest of it, and so on. He had a piano too, and uh, that was for me to learn the piano one. I never learned it, but she got she engaged a um, a piano mover. It was in the forties, with um with a heart condition and one arm. So we got down to the we got down to the, to the Station to, to 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 get the piano. Health and safety didn't come into it. No, that's all, no, no, my grandfather could not lift the piano by himself. No, so friends of my my mother and my grandmother and my grandfather lifting the piano, the piano mover couldn't move at all. Yeah. So that was it. Then we travelled across Dublin. We came to Pembroke Street where we lived, and that was. Then it comes into my father was not long dead, you know, and it was the anniversary of his his anniversary, and my mother was was. Uh, i father it about 20 years. My mother was, was dying in Klunski at the time. And so it all kind of hangs together. Mm. Passing my own house again. It's kind of a journey from the East Wall back. but it's, it's mir- Mirroring the other journey. But yes. it's a new journey. Yeah. And then my son is in Rennola. Yeah. I don't know if he's breaking his torn up, but he's in Renala doing whatever kids do, you know. And, yeah. um, and, and I'm saying that's where I am. So I try to anchor the whole thing down.
1: Yeah. And, and the place of the title here is, is, is your grandfather's. Oh, the East Wall. Yeah, right, yeah. East
5: yeah, East Road, East Wall. My grandfather was in charge of the pumping station there. Right. And uh, it was the it, it was huge big engines. Remember them big brass and, and, and green lacquer on them and so on. Fabulous things, huge things, all shaking and trembling away, you know, yes. working away. And piles of coal outside, because coal was king to keep them going, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was well, 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 uh, well, well um, chartered during the war. What, what coal was there, what coal wasn't there. Yes, yes, But the engineers going by on the trains, they used to throw my grandmother a big lump of coal. It
1: struck me that too that the, the, the memories of, I suppose, being so young, they're quite imprinted.
5: Absolutely I Still have them. Yeah. And like I say, in the point when I when I went, we just called in to see how it was. I was coming back from my father's grave in Sutton actually. i paid a visit to him on the, on the anniversary. Coming back, I stopped at the at the pumping station and I uh, looked over the wall and they were. Um, they were they were doing a lot of work, and obviously go, it was going to come down, obviously. So I went down and spoke to them. They said they could have a look. And I said, sure, of course, come in. So I went in, and the little house was there. And uh, I went into the house there. The house, the house had been empty for years at this stage. And it suddenly all came back to me, absolutely. Every corner of the house, the stairs. I remember falling down the stairs. I completely forgot about it. And so all this kind of stuff was all, yeah. all absolutely there, you know. Yeah.
1: And there's a lovely perception too when you move away from the house there in the middle bit of the poem, going by the customs house. Don't put me in there. W- w- the child's perception of what the
5: customs, customs house, the house was. What the house was, yeah. My mother could never understand it. And I can't, I can't understand it myself either, but I've already got really Don't ever put me in there. Don't put me in there. <laughs> she never did, but you know. What I love too is the way
1: certain things come back into it, they're there in the beginning to come back. The idea of light. You talk a lot about light in the poem.
5: I do, yeah, because light will... It's but thinking about the, the, the light there that's where, where they took the kitchen chairs out to be photographed. Yeah. That's where the light shone in that side, yes. you know, and so on. Yeah. But it was a great photograph of my father standing with one foot on a chair and one foot on the ground, you know, I mean standing with a, got a revolutionary pose with a black beard and a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like pre Castro, you know. <laughs> well pre Castro, but um I'm very conscious of light. Yeah. And Gandon's that that building at Gandon's it's, it's very light itself. I mean, it's, it's in it's in a light light area and I and I, like, I, I love the light.
1: Thank you for joining us on If Ever You Go, A Northside Dublin Perspective our exploration of the north side of Dublin through poetry and song and many thanks to all the guests who featured in this programme For further information on this series check out nearfm.ie forward
0: slash if ever you go series If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so Inquire for me in Baggot Street and what I was like to know He was a queer one, full of Lido He was a queer one and I'll tell you.
5: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.